Alright, Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, pick up the reading of verse 11. One of my favorite Bible characters, Moses. The Bible says he's the meekest man. Uh, now here, you talk about a great leader. Moses, Moses was a great leader as anybody other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's right there with any leader. And yet, he was disrespected. <laughs> they did not have any idea of the power they had with Moses. They did not hesitate to put him down, rebel against him, complain against him. And you know what Moses did? He just took it. You know why he was able to take it? Because the Lord was with him. And he therefore had the strength. Alright, Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Paragraph mark if you have a Cambridge edition. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. Now remember what that means when Moses was grown. Moses had been raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had standing. He had wealth. He had a future. It says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way and when he saw that there was no man he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day behold two men of the Hebrews strove together and he said to him that did the wrong Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Isn't that something? Here he came and already started delivering his people from, the, from these Egyptians. And when he just tries to mediate between two Hebrews fighting, they said, Well, who made you a prince and a judge? Uh, well, the Lord. Maybe he did get the timing wrong, but... Uh, Life lesson. Let me tell you when you cannot help somebody as long as they're still fighting. Here's what you can do while people are fighting. Just pray for them. You can't help. You've heard the old illustration about somebody that's drowning and how, you know, supposedly they let them dunk under the water a few times, you know, till they finally give up and let you save them. Well, let me tell you something. As long as somebody's still fighting and sure they're right, you can't do a thing for them. As long as somebody's still self-righteous and sure they're right, the Lord can't even help them. Jesus, not me, he said, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And that's what Moses found. He found them still fighting. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not putting it all on the children of Israel. Moses got his timing wrong, too, and we'll talk about that. But one way you know your timing is wrong is when you're trying to help somebody that's still fighting. You want to fight? Keep fighting. When you get ready for the answer, it's ready. It's ready for you when you're ready for it. Verse 15, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. I want to preach this morning on the lessons of uh, Moses and the burning bush. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you'll come down now and bear witness to the truth of your word. Lord, you know the burden on our heart about these things. And there's no doubt that from time to time in our lives, we hit a, we hit a crossroads, a place where there's a fork in the road and we have to choose one way or the other. And there's way too many people choosing the wrong one at the so-called life uh, midlife crisis. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn some things, to understand ourselves better, but mainly to know you better. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. I want to say this evening that Moses' first failure and later success teaches what we need to succeed and what we do not need. 
A lot of things that the world thinks you need to succeed is not really necessary. And it's always been a hobby of mine to read the self-help literature. And uh, just always tried to do that and see if I could better myself. <laughs> Reminds me of a Leave It to Beaver episode, you know, where his dad was telling him some things he used to try to make it where his ears didn't stick out so much. And little Beaver looks up at his daddy and says, how come it didn't work, Dad? <laughs> and I tell about reading all that self-help literature, I can just see my kids look at me and say, why didn't it work, Dad? <laughs> but be that as it may, I enjoy the stuff, and it is good for us to constantly be trying to improve it. So we're going to do a case study on success and failure. Moses was called of God to deliver his own people from slavery in Egypt. He was called of God. Right. Everybody here has a calling. A couple of young men say they're called to preach. Praise the Lord. I think they are. Amen. But that doesn't mean they're enabled yet. Wow. Moses was called of God to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. So he just pulled his britches up and went and tried to do it. And he found out right quick he was not yet enabled. Uh, there will be a calling of God that is real and you should obey it, but you ain't ready to get up there and do it yet. And that is a real thing. And Dr. Ruckman used to really stress to us preacher boys, the calling is different than the enabling. Mm -hmm. And just because you're called and you may be really called, doesn't mean you're ready to go out there and do it today. And Moses decided he was going to do it. Moses thought, well, I'm ready. I'm well-bred. I'm the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm well-educated. He knew all the learning of the Egyptians. I'm uh, experienced. At this point, I'm 40 years old. I've won some battles. I've defeated the Ethiopians. I've been out in the world. I've proven my mettle. And he thought he was ready to do it. And he was a winner. But he's about that age where you have what some people call a midlife crisis. And a lot of men look for a new career or a new car or a new love. And Moses needed a challenge. And he thought of one. He said, you know what? I'll take what God has called me to do and I'll just jump in there and prove the part of me that will go down in history and God did call him and Moses does go down in history for this but not for about four decades later <laughs> you know what he did he got it wrong by the way if in our day women have started to be much more equal to men in some good ways guess what as they've got equal to men in some good ways, they've got equal to men in some bad ways, too. And there's plenty of women have these midlife crises. And as they get in about their 40s, um, they get very different. <laughs> but maybe prudence and discretion would forbid me from elaborating further. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. There comes a point in your life where you say, you know what, maybe I've had it wrong all these years. I'm going to go a different way. Moses thought, surely being a leader in Egypt, surely I'm here. Surely there the children of Israel are. I've got all this power. I'll just do God. I'm in the perfect place. I'm perfectly prepared. I know this culture. I know exactly what to do. I'll just take care of all these things. Now. And he wasn't ready. You know why? A little too much trust in self. One thing that I do not appreciate about the self-help literature, as good as some of it is, a lot of it is based on Scripture. But some, a lot of it is confidence. 
Should our confidence be in ourselves? <laughs> self, all the self-help literature says you need to be confident. You don't need anybody else. Oh, no. You need to have zero confidence and realize you can't do a cotton-picking thing. You know where I get that? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said, for without me, ye can do nothing. Amen. That would be the opposite of self-confidence. Mm -hmm. yeah. But with him, you can do whatever you're needed to do. All things are possible to him that believeth. But believes in who? <laughs> That's a big question. Right. Believes in himself. I'm able to do it. I'm 40 years old now and experienced and educated, well-bred, and got all the connections and proven my experience and proven my success rate. Who else led the army that went down there and defeated the Ethiopians? Matter of fact, I picked up a wife while I was down there. Hmm. Oh, you better look out. We sing in the hymn, The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Moses was ready to start now. He went to see his brethren. He saw their burdens. He saw someone taking a beating. I understand him burning a little bit on the inside when he saw that. Now that he realized those Israelites were his kinfolk and one was getting a beating, I get it. I do. That would get me burning too. You take some of my relatives and let somebody be beating them up. Whoa. I'd be ready to defend them. But that's not the same as God lighting a fire in you. We're going to read here in a little bit where God lit a fire in you. But this was just personal. He's just going to take up for his people. Maybe excitement for the opportunity to be, begin delivering Israel. Maybe anger for the abuse. But in spite of all that, when he stepped in to help them, he was rejected by his own people and the Egyptians, and the burning in the inside went out. You know what the problem is with fighting for the rights of people? They will not appreciate it. It's true. You know when you do your fighting? You do your fighting when God Almighty enables you. When He calls you and when He enables you. Don't do it before that. So let's look first at his failure and look at it a little bit more closely and see what in the world went on where this guy who was a winner by every definition of the word wiped out. Alright, Acts chapter 7. This story is told in the New Testament with a detail or two that we didn't get there in Exodus. Look at Exodus, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 7, verse 20. Bible says, in which time Moses was born. What is this time that was Moses was born? They, up in verse 19 it says, they cast out their young children to the end they might not live. When they're killing a lot of babies, the Lord's probably about to make a move. The Lord does not appreciate the killing of innocents. He notices that. He said, blood is accounted to your land when you put up with that stuff. It's been going on in this country for decades. So in that time, verse 20, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, boy, there's the, there's the big, 
there's the big turning point when you get in your 40s is where sometimes a lot of things gets off the rail. When he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Look at this verse. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. I'll tell you something. When you start trying to do God's work, a lot of times people don't understand. A lot of times church people don't understand. You know why? Because there's something going on between you and the Lord that they're not privy to. Sure enough, they didn't understand. In verse 26, And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, here, brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Madian, where he begat two sons. So let's look at the failure. The failure, first of all, was unlikely because Moses was educated, we've already mentioned. He was mighty in word. Moses could get up and give a speech. Moses had gifts of oratory. Moses could direct. Moses could lead. According to history, he was a general. Moses could motivate. We call these motivational speakers. He could do all that. He was mighty, but not only in words. He was mighty in deeds. He could back it up. Moses was there. Everything was ready. He was experienced. Verse 23 says, when he was full 40 years old, and I've already referred to what history says that he did. I'll tell you something else. He came with right motives. Back in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it bothered him that Egyptians were beating his people. That's a right motive, isn't it? God said to deliver those people, and the people you're supposed to deliver them from, one is beating the other. Then in verse uh, 23 of Exodus 2, we'll be popping back and forth here a little bit. <coughs> Verse 23, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage and they cried and their cry came up again, uh, came up unto God by reason of their bondage and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Moses was right. God was going to do it. God had made a promise about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God had done all that. But it just wasn't time yet. Included a wrong action. You know what Moses did? He just jumped in there and just killed somebody. Uh, yeah, jumping in and murdering somebody probably is not the best idea. When it comes time to take care of somebody doing something wrong, you don't want to kill them. Now, I know in our day, there are certain things that just make murder okay. Uh, not so with God. God wants you to do things the right way and the lawful way and everything. And so he got in there and did a wrong action, even if he thought he was justified. You don't want to mess up Christians a lot of times? They'll get in there and think they're justified. Uh, so he did something guilty, he did something wrong, and I'm sure he thought he was justified, and here's the problem, he even had the calling of God behind him. You know who the big head is that you better look out for? The religious big head. The one that knows the Word of God. 
You will never convince him he's done wrong, even to the point of him killing a guy. Moses was sure he was right. You better look out for that. You better look out. You be sure they believe the whole counsel of God. They not only believe, yeah, I'm called to God to deliver my people, but also believe there's a verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not kill. They need to believe that part too. A lot of people pick the parts of the Bible that they like and throw out the parts they don't. Let me tell you something. If you're human, there will be plenty of parts you won't care for, won't there? All right, I'll tell you something else about Moses' failure. It included some presumptuous leadership. God had not moved him. It says that when he was 40 years old, here in Acts chapter 7, verse 23, it says, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. He said, well, they're my brethren. God's called me to deliver them. I'll just go out here and deliver them. Let me see, what's going on here? Well, there's somebody not doing him right. I'll just fix it. Oh, that was all in Moses' heart. And it's pretty good and it's pretty understandable. And I'm not beating him up too bad about it. But let me say this. When it comes to the calling of God, it's not something you come up with on your own heart. It's something the Lord has to open a door for. There have been times in my life, Lord help me, there have been times in my life I knew the Lord had called me to preach. I knew the Lord wanted me doing some things. I knew He had blessed me with some stuff. And it was time to go do it, I thought. So I went and the Lord had closed the door. I said, well, forget that. I'm the man here. I know I can do this. I'll just kick this door open. And I did. And boy, I was sorry I did for about 10 years. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If God shuts a door, you strongly consider before you beat that thing down. It might be God doing that. And that's what he did. He got presumptuous because God had not moved him. I'll tell you something else. He got presumptuous because the people weren't ready. He was supposed to be delivering And they didn't want any part of it. They said, who made you a ruler and a judge? His leadership was not accepted. Moses! One of the great man, men of all history. One of the great men of the Bible. One of the great men in this particular context. If you'd asked anybody in Egypt, this Moses, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, have you ever heard of him? They'd have went, are you crazy? The one that just came back from Ethiopia? The one that is the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Maybe in line to be king? Certainly in the top two or three? What do you mean have I heard of him? And they just rejected him flat out. You know what? There's a lot of people who would have done a lot more killing than Moses did. Every now and then we get judging Moses because he killed that one guy. Uh, you, treated, you treat some people like this, he'd kill more than just one person, I'll guarantee you, because you'd think you have the power to do it. You'd think you have the position to do it. His defense was not appreciated. I can see him trying to reason and say, look, I was trying to help you. He was beating one of your guys. Let me tell you something. When somebody rejects help, there is no amount of logic will help. When you try to give somebody a job that doesn't want to work, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. You are wasting your time. Make sure your help is offered and then let them decide whether they want it or not and you'll save yourself a lot of headache and a lot of heartache and a lot of broken necks and a lot of doors kicked down that you'll be sorry you ever kicked down. And he realized they could not be counted. And they left him with no answer. 
In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 14, he said, oh no, this thing is known. I better run. He didn't go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, let me explain. Now, I know you're great, but God is even greater, and God wants me to deliver these people out of here, so, you know, that was why I was doing it. He had no answer that would work, that he cared to give. He didn't know what to say. He was just caught, and he just ran off. Now, that's his failure. Now, let's look at his call. Back in Exodus chapter 2, the Lord does show up and call him and enable him. The Bible says in verse 23, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Now everything changes. Now it ain't just Moses deciding he's going to set some things right. Now God's involved. Whole different story. When you just decide you're going to do what you think is right, as they say in the vernacular, good luck with that. But when God Almighty is behind you, amen, brother, you go do everything He tells you to do. Total different story. Verse 25, Exodus 2, And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Chapter 3, verse 1, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Now, I'm not preaching this sermon tonight, but we do have a message on when Moses turned aside to see. And I wonder how many times the Lord had something for me to do. And I'm a <coughs> caffeine, nut, busy person rushing from one thing to the next and don't have time to you know, slow down and smell the roses, as they say. And I'm just always task-oriented, and men tend to be that way, and get blinders on, you know. And I wonder how many times there was a bush burning beside me, and I didn't even stop to see. But I know this, when he turned aside to see, that was when the Lord said, I got him. He's going to look. He's going to notice something other than the little $5 an hour thing he's got to run into. <laughs> You'd be surprised what stupid things we get addicted to and spend our time on. But sure enough, he turned aside to see, and the Lord said, Moses, Moses, boy, when God calls your name. Have you ever been somewhere and God called your name? Have you ever been reading the Scriptures and God called your name and you knew, oh, he's saying this to me. Have you ever been listening to somebody teach a lesson or preach a sermon and you knew, boy, they just ruined my bell. I've done it, boy, and the tears just squirted because I knew he just slapped me real good. <laughs> And, it, and I, it's, a, it's a funny thing. I say he slapped me, but it's a rebuke. Hurts me a little bit, but it helps me too. Yes, sir. I'm glad it happens. Mm -hmm. Verse 5, And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Oh man, something changes here, doesn't it? Look uh, down at verse 10. 
Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, the Lord says, it may be 40 years later, but now, come on, I'm fixing to send you. Now this was unlikely because at this point, if it's if Moses was 40 when he got in trouble and he's been in the backside of the desert for 40 years, because Acts chapter 7 verse 30 says, And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord and a flame of fire in the bush. So he was 80 years old. Right. Now if he would have been at his peak and he would have been sure that he was about to do the work of his life when he was 40 years old, but now he's 80... Wouldn't you say that window of opportunity has probably passed? You would think that God doesn't figure it like you and me, does he? At 120 years old, you know what it said? It said his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. If God has a job for you, you are enabled to do it. But you better wait until you're enabled to do it, or you might be about 40 years on the backside of the desert. Bless your heart. Moses sure found himself there. Moses uh, had an earlier failure in this work. A lot of times when people fail at something, people never let it go. Moses had failed. And 40 years later, here we went to try the same thing again. I'll tell you something else. By this point, Moses had a pretty good situation. His father-in-law was getting old. He was the man that was managing all that livestock. He was the heir apparent. He was undoubtedly going to get all that stuff. The man had seven daughters, but Moses was the leader of the whole thing. <laughs> Moses had to leave a, a comfortable situation to go to the most uncomfortable situation you can ever imagine. But this call was still received by Moses. This tells me some things about his character. Number one, he was not cynical. <coughs> A lot of people, if they were told at 80 years old to go back and do something they thought they were supposed to do at 40, would have said, well, remember, we tried this. Moses said, if God says so, I'm scared. And he's going to have to do a little more convincing. But maybe it's true. He was not too busy or enslaved to think. In 40 years, who knows what wealth and what distractions and what habits and enslavements he might have had. He was not too tired. He could have said, wait a minute, I've been out here living a pretty rough life, outdoors all day, my skin is like leather. I've been 40 years out here. I'm 80 years old today. I'm tired of this. I hear many an older person say, well, I'm too old for that. Something in Moses, he, did, he wasn't at that point. Even at 80 years of age. Let me tell you something about the Lord's work. It is energizing. Get in the Lord's work and don't look at it as something you want to retire from. Look at it as something you want to be 120 years old when He takes you home to glory and He has to kill you in order to get you there. Because <laughs> His eye is not dim and His natural force abated, nor His natural force abated. He was reverent. He didn't say, now wait a minute, you know, I know they're the people of God, and I tried doing a little something for the Lord one time, but you know, this doesn't work. I'm not sure who all it works for. He didn't, he didn't get irreverent with God. When God showed up, it said Moses hid his face.
for he was afraid to look on God. You know what's missing in our generation? We got a bunch of people that don't fear God. It is not going to end well for those that do not fear God. Amen. Fear of God is a strong Bible doctrine. Fear not them which kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And I'm talking to some Christians. I don't mean that they're going to go to hell. If you're saved, you won't. But let me tell you something. He can put a hurting on you. <laughs> he knows where your sore spot is. And he will do it. And he's done it many a time. Do we need to start going through Bible stories? <laughs> How did it go with Sodom and Gomorrah? How did it go with Lot? We could go on and on. He was reverent. I'll tell you something else. He was teachable. That burning that was in Moses, that anger that burned in him when he saw one of his brethren being beaten, and that fire went out. He looked over at the burning bush, and that fire wasn't going out. And the bush wasn't burned. Now, I don't want to lift myself up on the plane of Moses. I am nowhere in his class. But I know a little of this. The Lord lit a fire in me when I was a little boy. And there's a bunch of things that's happened to me. But somehow, that fire has not hurt me. And that fire is still burning. Again, don't, don't misunderstand. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near Jesus' side, and I'm not even on Moses' or Paul's side. But I know about that fire burning on the inside that doesn't hurt you at all. I know about it. I, I know that one real good. I could teach a series of lessons on it. And Moses saw that fire burning and that bush was not consumed. And he said, well, wait a minute. Where did the fire in you go? I'll tell you what happened. There was a fire that was lit by Moses, not God. For some people, it's a fire that's lit by Mama, not God. For others, it's lit by Daddy, not God. For others, it's lit by a preacher that they admire, but not God. For others, it's lit by a, a need in society, but not God. When God Almighty lights a fire inside of you, it just keeps burning, and the bush is not hurt. And Moses got looking at that, and he thought, what? why did I lose this? It's not that Israel's freedom is any less important, or their slavery was any less bitter. It's not that righteousness became less important or wrongdoing less offensive. Remember how mad he got when that guy beat him, on, uh, beat his uh, countrymen, and it was unfair and unjust? Had that gotten any better? No. Remember when he got frustrated with Israel's lack of understanding or appreciation? Remember when he got thinking about the difficulty of the task? So there was Moses' failure, and there was Moses' recall. Now let's look at the difference. Why did Moses completely wipe out as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but as a little known shepherd from the backside of the desert, he comes and does one of the great events of all of history that's been talked about and is still talked about to this day. All right, I'm going to say there's three things that made a big difference. Number one, he had a definite answer this second time. Whenever they said, oh, who made you ruler? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? 
And Moses had no answer for him. He just said, well, surely this thing is known. But in chapter 3, Moses said, I'm going to have an answer this time. Now, sure enough, look down at Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And look at this. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Moses decided he was going to do it the first time. God said he was doing it the second time. Amen. You be sure you're doing what God's leading you to do. And to bring them up out of that land, unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Uh, verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Moses had seen it earlier. Now God's saying, I'm seeing it. Verse 10, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And I like Moses, and I admire him, and I look up to him. But I would not have wanted to be him in verse 10. <laughs> All right, you go to Pharaoh. I'll, admit, you know, I'll have to admit, I wouldn't want to do that. No wonder Moses gets scared. I mean, whoever would remember him 40 years later, wouldn't want anything to do with him then. Verse 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Alright, this time he has a definite answer. He said, well, who am I that I should do this? I tried this last time, and they said, who are you? Who made you a prince and a ruler? God said, uh, I'm with you. There's your answer. When you know God is with you, you just show up and do what he said. When you're doing it on your own, good luck with that. <laughs> you probably are going to fail. Verse uh, 13, the... Moses is still doubting and asking, the God, asking God. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. So the first thing is, Moses had a definite answer this time. There was no... Well, surely they'll follow me. I'm son of Pharaoh's daughter. Well, surely they'll follow me. I had success. Well, surely they'll follow me. I'm real smart. This time he had God. All the difference in the world. First Peter 3 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. When you witness to somebody, know exactly why you're witnessing to them. You know what? God's telling you to. When you preach on a street corner, know exactly why you're preaching on a street corner. God is telling you to. When you preach at a mission or a nursing home or wherever, you're doing it because God is telling you to and He's right there with you while you do it. And if you're not sure He's telling you to, I wouldn't do it if I was you. I'd make sure I had the calling of God behind me. He had a definite answer. He had the sending presence of God. God said He was with Him. 
The passage over in Acts chapter 7 says it this way, verse 34, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and am come down to deliver them, and now come, I will send thee into Egypt. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. Don't go by whether or not man accepts you. You can't tell anything by that. Yeah. Uh, think of the roller coaster of Moses' life. He is at the top of the world as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He is at the total bottom when not only do the Egyptians run him off, but his own people are rejecting him. And then he's all the way back up when God says, all right, I've seen it. I'm doing the work now. Now you go. You're my servant to help me get this thing done. And all of a sudden, up he goes again. You know how important Moses is? The devil and Michael getting a fight over his body because God says Moses is so important, he's coming back up and he's helping again in the end times. Amen. That's how big a deal Moses is. That's right. But what did the children of Israel think of him? Who made you a prince and a ruler? You ain't got long to be here anyway. As soon as Pharaoh figures out you killed that Egyptian, you're out of here anyway. <laughs> you're going to talk like that to Moses? <laughs> they sure did. And he paid for his mistake for 40 years. Don't you know he could have moped and said, well, I guess I ain't ugly. I was cracked up to be. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Michael the archangel and Lucifer, the arch enemy of God, getting a fight over your body, Moses. You're up there in rarefied air. Right. But he was rejected just like any loser that's ever been. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if the Lord does that just to keep us good and humble. <laughs> that's part of the advantage of it anyway, isn't it? I'll tell you something else that made a difference with Moses. He had the sustaining power of God that second time. The first time, he didn't know, he didn't know what to do. He just said, well, I'm just going to run away. <laughs> the Lord said, that's okay. You need to get rid of some of your self-confidence anyway. The self-help gurus say, have self-confidence. God will do it. take 40 years if he has to to get rid of your self-confidence. That's the last thing he thinks you need. But what did keep him going? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. We've been teaching out of Hebrews 11 here in recent times. And prayer meeting. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Let me tell you what will keep you sustained and keep you going when you've had some bad setbacks. When you honestly and actually think God is there. The moment you don't believe God is there, you just may as well go do what you feel like doing. <laughs> But if God is there and He's real, as the Scriptures teach, and of course you know there's no doubt about it in my mind, you better do what He wants you to do. And I assure you, they will be very opposite. <laughs> the sustaining power of God. Isaiah 40 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The epitaph of Moses with the Holy Scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 34.10 is this. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. You don't want to make you get the thing done that God has for you to do if you and the Lord know each other face to face. I didn't say you would always succeed. You'll have big failures. I hate to say that. I wish I could stand up here and tell you, man, if you'll just do what God says, He'll roll out a red carpet and everything will go great and smooth from here on out. No, you'll have big failures. I'm talking failures that will break your heart, I hate to say it, for decades. Man, wish I didn't have that to tell you. But you'll have a power with God that other people will not understand. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to talk about some things that went through my mind.